if you like hear like a top 40 like pop hit that has like all these production stuff around it it's like okay if I picture this song with none of that like just picture this person with a guitar singing it's like kind of becomes like a silly song because there's like lots of repetition and production stuff going on to keep you engaged there's a place for that too it's fun to bop to those songs but I've always felt like if you get rid of all the production in a song that I wrote does the song still like hold itself My name is William Chernoff, and today on the Rhythm Changes podcast, I spoke to Deanna Drudge. She just put out a singer-songwriter album called Killing Time, which I really enjoyed. And she's at a fascinating moment. She wants to start a band here in Vancouver, but she hasn't done that yet. She wants to perform at local venues, also hasn't done that yet, having moved to BC relatively recently. So here you get to hear a creative spirit discuss her next moves. Please enjoy. Deanna Drudge, welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So where in Canada does this podcast find you today? I am in Squamish, British Columbia. I saw something uh, quite relevant to people in our area these days on your Bandcamp fan accounts collection, the album by Lights titled How to Sleep When You're on Fire. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're all on fire a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> What's it been like for you up there? Um, yeah, pretty dang hot. I think it reached like 43 on Monday and sleeping has been rough. We don't have AC. So I uh, camped out last night because it's just been so hot. So sleeping outside helped. Nice. I've enjoyed camping in like the Paradise Valley area or going up Garibaldi for sure in my times. Yeah. Yeah. I was up um, Mamquam last night. What can you tell me about your decision to move to BC? Yeah, I think I, I've always loved the mountains. My parents road tripped a lot when I was a kid. And so like we came out west a lot, like fairly frequently, like once every couple of years, like my whole childhood. And I, yeah, I just always really liked it. like the wildness of it, the wilderness of it. I lived out here for a little bit in my younger 20s and then kind of figured I'd always make a permanent move back at some point. So, here so even though you made your album in Toronto, uh, did, you feel yeah. that your your musical roots are here as of now. Yeah, because I, I played in the GTA in Toronto area for like five years maybe. And so I have a lot more connections there. And um, my friend Kevin Kerr, who recorded and produced the album, is from there. Yeah, I feel like my musical roots are still there. Yeah, for sure. Before I get to your album, Killing Time, can I ask you one question about Kevin mm-hmm. Kerr and about where he used to play? Yeah. What can you tell me about the Epidemic Music Group open stage? Ah, uh, yeah. I started playing there like seven years ago or something. Yeah, it's been a while, but uh, it's such a, a community. It's a, it was in Stovall. Uh, was like the main one and I think they had a couple yeah they had a couple in Markham as well but I found it was just like such a community like a lot of regulars who like really supported each other and then anytime anyone had like their own personal project like recorded an album or we or um, an EP everyone just like rallied behind them went to their shows shared their stuff on social media yeah like met some really rad musicians and great people through that what's it like in the studio also in Stouffville where you recorded Killing Time pretty intimate like it's just me and Kevin in his 
home studio in a room in his house. <laughs> yeah, um, I've recorded with him in the past and I, I think all my experiences with him have been just like, he's been a friend for a long time. So it's like a really easygoing atmosphere, environment where I feel really comfortable. Yeah, so it was just the two of us in his studio for I think like two and a half weeks. What would you most like to share about the new album in general? I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I'm like happy with how it turned out. Like, I think going into it, I'd written all the songs just on my guitar. And so we went when I went into the studio with Kevin, it was like, I just played the song on guitar um, with scratch vocals. And then we just kind of built on top of it. So I think it felt very, like, I just had like no idea necessarily what the end result was going to be like, because I had like a rough idea of like the overall like vibe and feel and like what instruments I wanted on it. But like there wasn't really like a demo process where we like tested out other instruments and then like went back and changed things. And, you know, we just kind of like kept it really spontaneous, authentic experience where we just kind of like went with, I guess, just like the original vision of the song and then just kind of like went with it. And um, but I'm yeah, really happy with how it turned out. And I am proud of it and I feel really good about it. And yeah, I'm happy to finally share it because we recorded in December. So it's been a while. <laughs> so what are your biggest lessons learned so far from making and releasing it independently? Um, I, yeah, I've learned so much. I'd, I'd never released an album before. I'd released like smaller projects, but just kind of like to my like friend community, I guess. Um, so everything's been new and I, and I, I realized how much work goes into it behind the scenes, like just all this like tiny little administrative stuff, like files to send, emails to send, stuff to organize, making a schedule, like making videos, making social media content. Like it's all been a lot more work. Like I didn't, yeah, I didn't realize how much work goes into it behind the scenes. So that was a very eye-opening experience plus like trying to work a full-time job on top of that things like April and May were kind of a blur. Like the two months leading up to the album release were just like, I don't even remember what happened. I was like working before work and working after work and working on the weekends. So it was like, yeah, <laughs> it's like the biggest take home for me. <laughs> you kind of split the songwriting of the album in half where you had, you had five songs from your repertoire already and then you had to write six in the lead up to recording. So mm -hmm. what can you tell me about how it went to write those six songs, including like when I grew up from childhood and serenity in the lead yeah. up to your studio session in December. Um, I think all, like all my songwriting has been like very like in the moment kind of like based on my experience as a happening. And so it wasn't, it wasn't an intentional choice to split it that way. Like I, I think like I had a list of probably like 20 songs that I liked um, and I had like a rough like 10 that I felt like I wanted to end up on the record. Um, but I think just, it was like the summer when I decided I wanted to record, I, I didn't really feel prepared. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if like these are necessarily the songs I want, but I, as life happened in those like six months or so leading up, I was just writing more songs. And then the half of the songs I wrote leading up were just, they just kind of happened. Yeah, and I liked them, so I recorded them on the record. And then Serenity, I wasn't even done writing, but I, I really liked it, and I liked how it was going. And I was just, like, kind of, like, scrambling 
while we were recording like in the evenings when I was home to like finish sorting out the lyrics and like making sure it was how I wanted. If you maybe take Serenity as an example, because you did say that it wasn't totally finished in the songwriting step. Yeah. That sounds like you brought it into the studio and there was still time for it to evolve. Is that right? Yeah. I, I, I don't think I, I didn't evolve it like in the studio with Kevin necessarily, but it was like, I think before I had the whole structure laid out. So I had like the melody and where I wanted it to go on guitar. So I tracked the guitar and then I, I think I even tracked like more guitar just in case. So it was there in case I needed it. But um, it was mostly the lyrics that I was trying to finish. But like the, the overall structure was there. I've got three songs that are my top three on the album that I'll ask oh, you yeah? about later. But are there okay. any that it ended up being a significant like instrumental session between you and Kevin in the studio? I would say synth stuff and then adding on electric guitar stuff. Yeah, all the songs are like fairly fully formed, but I I definitely left space open. Um, Skyline Drive is one of them. Serenity is one of them. Um, Procrastinating is one of them. I just like played these guitar parts and left that open. And so in the studio was when we're like, okay, like what do we want to fill in here and what can we add? I think that process is really cool, but maybe not as well known to non-musician people. So Hmm. if you had to explain, if you take Skyline Drive, for instance, Mm -hmm. what that actually feels like and what the real steps are that day when you do that in the studio and you fill in, what does that feel like? And how how would you explain that to somebody who hasn't done that Uh before, who isn't a musician? Uh, It feels kind of like intimidating. I think the whole, like a lot of the recording process was just like, oh no, like what happens if this doesn't work out? Um, Like... Cause I was doing it in Toronto. So I was like, am I gonna have to like fly back later and like fix stuff or like, what's this gonna be like? But yeah, it all ended up working out. And for Skylight and Drive specifically, my old bandmate, Peter Elman played uh, the electric guitar, the solo. And so he, I had actually sent him the, uh, the mix and then he played several ideas and like sent them back. And then I like picked which ones I liked the best. And then we kind of and then he ended up playing like a final version for it based off of like the notes we sent back. And then we just like plugged it into the, to the session. Um, and same with procrastinating as well. Like my cousin Kayla Drudge played violin on it and it was like the same kind of process. Like sent her in the mix, she played a bunch of ideas, we gave her feedback and she brought it in. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of the ones that Kevin played on, like he played bass and like a little bit of guitar as well on june he played the electric guitar riff on it i definitely want to ask you about june because that's one of my top three that i'll go to oh, when nice. i'm bringing up yeah. my top three tracks but there were a couple of things in there so you booked time to come from bc to ontario to do that studio mm-hmm. session sounds like yeah yeah i did and i kind of grouped it in with christmas as well because i wanted to come back and be with my family so that sounds better than what I did when I did something similar, I was in a band that booked studio time in Gatineau and flew out to the Ottawa Mm -hmm. area and spent a week recording there. And I remember it being a great experience, but a little bit stressful, just the framing of it and the expense in terms of time and money, you know? Oh, yeah, I definitely relate. It's like, yeah, you spend this money, book this time. And so there's like this pressure to like, get it right the first time. And so I, I think I just kind of had to like, let go a little bit going in and just like, kind of roll with the punches a little bit because like yeah you can't put that pressure on yourself 
how was it for you? Like, were you just like stressed the whole time? <laughs> or like, was there a sense of like, oh, I gotta get it right. I can't like mess up. Or I can't like, gotta have like a good idea. Or You know what? My biggest lesson learned from that was that we over prescribed it like too much detail maybe, but we mm. had good reasons to do that. So if you look at the whole thing, it makes sense. But specifically during that week, it did feel stressful because of that, because we had just done a Kickstarter. And so we had raised the money that we needed to fly there and record, basically. Okay. But we still had to go there and get the album done. And the whole thing was so locked in uh, that it was scheduled out so that there wasn't too much margin for error like it wasn't like oh if it didn't all finish this way then we could circle back later and do it no because we had already recorded half the album in vancouver um we had already booked our release show and we had talked about it in our campaign and stuff like that so we had this full timeline and we were right in the middle of it and we had to record for 12 hours a day and it was really hot just like it maybe not (laughs) quite as much as it has been maybe eight degrees lower than it has been over here but it felt super hot at the time and uh we were we were nervous and we were excited but you know it's okay but yeah for sure it, it felt stressful for that reason yeah I think I've just like developed a whole new respect for independent artists. Like there's, it's definitely different um, for like low budget albums and independent artists. Cause like there, there is this pressure and like your money is like so valuable. Cause you've like worked another kind of job for so long, saving money. And like, and so you have this like one window where like you want to create something and you also also want it to like turn out how you visioned and you want it to represent you well. And you like, want to be proud of it but it's like this it's such limited resources and such limited time and yeah a lot of pressure so can you speak more to how you think about where music is in your career or maybe you don't think about it at all maybe it's an outlet and it is the way you like it kind of no matter what or maybe you do have more specific designs for where you want it to be so if you like i'd love to love to hear more about that because you have the the split of your time between day career, daily life, and then your music life. Yeah, I think that's kind of the direction it's going for musicians now. Like, A, musicians don't really get paid anymore, it seems like, Um, especially for, like, albums. Like, you get paid when you play shows and when you sell merch, but it's, it's hard to see money coming from the actual, like, music that you release, like, either from streaming platforms or from like physical copies, either vinyl or CD or anything. But um, I don't know. So I I think I'm kind of like in this weird little like in between phase. Like I I am working towards making it a career. Like I would love to do it full time or at least like most of the time. But I think just where I'm at right now, I'm still like in this like work life, like having my regular life. Um, And music has always been, well, not always, but at least for the last like decade, it has been a creative outlet for me. And it's, yeah, I think a way to feel like the most connected with myself and to, like to have the most like creative release. Um, so I think it will just always be there in terms of like in whatever capacity it takes. But yeah, I, I'm definitely hoping for more and, and definitely working towards more. So any particular moments or memories from a decade ago or so of when you got bitten by the bug specifically and how you got drawn into mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I think I always liked the idea of it. Like even as a little kid, I was like so fascinated by bands and, and singer songwriters. Um, I was like a very low confidence kid. So I just like never believed that oh, I could do it. So I just like passed that thought off. And then I think it was definitely my young 20s, um, like maybe like 21 or something. There, there was actually kind of like this specific moment. Like I taught myself guitar and my brother had helped out and I was like learning songs. But then, um, yeah, like I'm a big Lights fan and her song River, like the acoustic version. Um, I remember like listening to it and being like, that's how I feel. And then it was kind of like this moment I, I, yeah, a lot of people start songwriting when they're like 13, but for me, it just like took a while to like clue in. But like, there's this moment of like, that's how I feel. And I was like, well, what would happen if I just wrote about how I feel? Um, and I and I wrote my first song that day or like the next day. And then it was just like, I was like so excited. Like I was just so stoked. Like I can't believe I wrote a song. And then I was just like very addicted. For the next like three years, I think I just like wrote all the time. I've heard musicians say like you write a hundred songs before you write your first good one and that's definitely been my experience. Like it's not like that for everyone like some people just kill it right away but yeah I don't think my first a hundred songs will ever see the light of day so. <laughs> I identify with that for sure. I also identify with the low confidence kid thing. Mm -hmm. The reason mm -hmm. why is because I feel like I didn't really start until I was fully surrounded by friends who were better than me and just as enthusiastic as me. Mm. Yeah, I think when I first started, I was kind of like on my own a little bit just because I like I was kind of shy about it. But yeah, once you like make that connection with someone who loves music and is also doing it too, I, that really helps. Like you really feed off of that. Yeah. All right. I want to dig into your album a little bit more. So I want to start mm -hmm. with June because that's the single and it's definitely one of my top three. Any thoughts okay. or things you want to share about it in general? Yeah, th that's what a lot of people say, that it's their one of their favorite ones. I, I wrote it as like a slow song and it was really long. It, I think it was like six minutes or something. Um, and it was kind of like a sadder song. But yeah, in the studio, it just like evolved into more of a bop. And I'm, yeah, I'm really happy how it turned out. That specific guitar sound is really nice. Yeah, I love like scratchy, dirty guitar sounding things and scratchy riffs. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense because you mentioned that you were really fascinated by bands when you were a bit younger. So like, mm -hmm. what were those bands? Did, did they sound like that or what, 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 what um, did they sound like? No, not really. At the, when I was a teenager, I was like just obsessed with classic rock, as a, as a lot of teenagers are. I was obsessed with The Doors. That was like the first band, I think, that like really captivated me. Um, but in recent years, I've been really into like hardcore punk. <laughs> and I went through like a big like Nirvana kick. And so, yeah, I just love that like raw, scratchy guitar sound. That music video where you're riding the bike is that your own bike <laughs> no that's a it's a friend's bike and a friend's dog <laughs> so you're not a big proponent of the yellow milk crate yet yourself <laughs> of them <laughs> yeah no no i don't rock the yellow milk crate <laughs> that's funny because i would have thought that was a perfect squamish thing or maybe even the thing from where you're from in ontario <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely like 
I've seen, I've seen a few milk crates around Squamish, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like such a, an outdoorsy thing. What's the story behind the Killing Time album art? Yeah, I worked with Arletta. Um, I've never said her last name out loud, but I think it's Tizo or Tizo, T-Y-Z-O. I worked with her and I, I didn't really have like necessarily a direction of where I wanted to go, but I, I really like kooky, weird things. Um, and so we'd taken a bunch of photos and she was even like during the photo shoot, she just like show me some pictures on her camera and like, we we're just like scrolling through quickly and I was just getting like a rough idea of what she was doing. And that one jumped out to me like immediately. Like I just liked, I don't know. It's like almost a little eerie in a way. And it's like kind of weird. And I don't know, but the, also like the contrast of like the lace and the black backdrop, I really liked as well. Um, and I think I'm not really the type of person that like wants it to be like, look at me, this is my face, like, this album is me. I like things to be, like, maybe a little bit more artistic and a little more, like, inconspicuous. I always think it's funny when you're producing a project like this, I find it, there's a wide range of how much forethought people put into the kind of visual aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Some people really have a strong thing where they're like, I, I want it to look like this. I'm going to find these people to help make this happen. And some people are just like wide open and they really want to give the artist like as much license as possible. And I was definitely one of those because I don't have the maybe the visual eye and the skill to um, have the vision and draw it up myself. But like, were you more like that as well? I do definitely imagine like specific ideas. I think just like a point of where I'm at right now is just like, I recognize like I don't have as much resources as other people to like really like, okay, this is like my specific idea. I'm going to hire these people and we're going to like work at it until we achieve it. And so I think at this phase, I realized I just kind of had to like take a step back and just like, if I want anything to get done, I just kind of need to like go with the flow. And then I'm also just like a little, like I'm like really open to just like the universe and allowing things to happen and just being like open to whatever comes. And so I think, yeah, through all this creative process, I've just felt open for things to kind of take a more natural turn and a less like controlled setting. Yeah. So maybe if you did something like an Amplify BC career development grant and you had that $10,000 infusion, you might take a yeah. different approach. Yeah. I think I would spend a little bit more time and yeah, try more things. And yeah. So a lot of people also start thinking about their future projects once they get their first one out is pretty much as soon as it comes out some people are already thinking about the next one yeah. is that you oh yeah i was thinking about the next one before i even recorded this one <laughs> um yeah i think again going along with being an independent artist it takes a little bit longer like you can't really like go into the studio to develop songs and so a lot of these songs some of them have been kicking around for a while yeah some i had written during the process but i i'd also written other songs like there's even songs like a few years old that have just taken a different direction than the songs that are on the album and so I've kind of got like yeah ideas brewing and there's already a few songs that I feel really good about so either if money were no object or if you had enough grant funding to go the full nine yards on realizing the concept what would be your dream process for making your next oh, project what yeah, would be different the next project would be to have a band and get a rehearsal space 
and um, jam out all the songs and evolve them pre-studio. I think that's like, that. yeah, that'd be the dream. I think the recording process for Killing Time, there wasn't much like pre-production and like there wasn't like a whole like demo process prior. So yeah, I would love to evolve the songs and like have them, yeah, yeah, more evolved and like work on like the more like detail, like transition points and songs and like having them build and like pull back. Yeah, that would be the dream. Have you started putting that band together at all or thinking about where it could physically come to be? Uh, no, not yet really. Like uh, all the musicians I know are back in Toronto. Um, and I think just with COVID, it's been harder to connect. Like I haven't really had the opportunity to connect with musicians in BC um, recently. So yeah, I've, I've I've thought about it, but there hasn't really been like, yeah, no processing happening yet. Oh, I, I think that makes this conversation right now such a cool moment in time because like inevitably that's going to happen. The gates are going to open, you know, the yeah, reopening will happen for, yeah. and you will meet more collaborators probably mm-hmm. real soon. And especially if you think like yeah. half a year to a year out, you'll have met so many more people. So it's really interesting now that you are looking at it, but you haven't done that yet. Yeah. And I'm excited to see how it turned out. Like I, I played with a band, um, back in Ontario for like a couple years and it like it just like fell in my lap it was really funny like it just it just happens I think when you are putting yourself out there artistically you eventually just kind of like bump into similar people who have like similar visions for their music as well and yeah were you the leader of the band or was it titled under your name or was it something else um no it was something else it was called Pigeon but there were also songs that I wrote as well so it was just like a, a different project Okay, one of my other favorite songs is Procrastinating. Tell me about that one. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, that's up there for me as well. Um, It's about procrastinating. (laughs) That song is like a few years old and I wrote it pretty quickly. It was kind of, it was one of the ones that you kind of like sit down and start like mulling on an idea and then it just kind of happens 20 minutes later, it's there. And I've actually like forgot about it for a while. I think I wrote it like, the winter of like 2018 or 2019 and I kind of forgot about it for a while but then I was I was leading up to the album I was like kind of like going through old stuff and then I came across it and I was like oh yeah this one I think there's some potential here so you're in this point in time where it's all about to happen you're about to meet people we haven't met it yet and I think that's really cool I've got one more question about band members mm-hmm. what do you look for in a band member the main thing for me is having similar very similar influences because I think when you can kind of see like the history of what people have been into what kind of bands they like what they like to play um who they like and why they like them I think then you can have like more like trust in what they're going to come up with and what they're going to create because you know that they value the same things in music they have the same influences and so their music will kind of like evolve along with you so maybe one of the big things to watch out for then would be a divergence that would happen if it wasn't all common ground from the start. Yeah, I think so. Like I think if if someone was like heavily influenced by other bands that I wasn't that into, I feel like there would maybe always be like this pull happening. Okay, my third of the top 3 is Treasure. Mhm. I think that's my favorite one. 
that was another quick one. Um, I think I was camping at the time and then I was just like fiddling around on my guitar and then it just kind of happened. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's my favorite one because I really value lyrics. Like that's like the main thing for me. And so out of all the songs I've ever written, or at least all the ones that are on the record, like I think those lyrics are the ones I'm most proud of. And I, yeah, I just really like that song. So I just wanted to keep it stripped back. And so like what you hear on the album is like exactly how I wrote it. I think that could be said for all 11. And that seems to be one of the coolest things about your sound ever since I first heard your music is that you're Mm. not afraid to leave the breathing room in the space, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing I've always valued in, in songs that I've really liked artists I've really liked is, is the focus being on like the songwriting um, and not so much about like the production of things. Like sometimes this is like a little experiment you can play with if you want. But if you think, if you like hear like a top 40 like pop hit that has like all these production stuff around it, it's like, okay, if I picture this song with none of that, like just picture this person with a guitar singing, it's like kind of becomes like a silly song a little bit because there's like lots of repetition and production stuff going on to keep you engaged, which like there's a place for that too. Like it's fun to bop to those songs, but I've always felt like, if you get rid of all the production in a song that I wrote, does the song still like hold itself? This might be a little bit abstract, but th- I, it's almost like we're able to define what the composition is, what the song is separately from what the recording is, which is true in the music business. Those are two different things. So, But mm-hmm. I like your definition of a song. Is this kind of how you would define what the song is in its own right it's what it would be if it was performed in the most minimal way yeah i think so because i i think if if there's still like structure going on and still like somewhere for the song to go and still somewhere there it's still a point to keep somebody captivated or yourself captivated to play them um yeah i think that makes for a song where like like I've written songs that are like very boring for me to play because like I just realize that there's not like much going on with the actual song or not much going on lyrically and and so I think even just for myself like I I want to enjoy playing the songs and I want to like them and I I want people to like them when I'm playing them so yeah, and you're right that so much of that does come from the lyrics and from what an individual performer can do. But then mm-hmm. there's some other things where like, you know, if you think about the doors, like, yeah, to keep to keep extending this, it's like, uh-huh. okay, so the song could be just what you play yourself on a guitar and it could be the most minimal delivery of melody, lyrics, chords, and rhythm and mm-hmm. that's the composition everything else is production not songwriting but then you have something like the keyboard melody intro to light my fire and it's like well is that mm-hmm. part of the song because it's such a big part of why people get interested in it or how wh- yeah. did, how does that work yeah that's true like there's definitely value in the production of things and like there's songs i don't know if i can think of one off the top of my head but there's songs i've really liked just because like it's got like this groovy bass that I just love and like that's the thing that like draws me in I think there's definitely value there for sure um 
that is probably equal to like the songwriting side of things too. It's just different. And it just, I think, depends what people are looking for when they're listening to music. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty arbitrary. We don't really have to define it. But like maybe if mm-hmm. you if you were thinking about it that way, that songwriting is this minimal thing, this personal thing. And then composition is maybe this word that encompasses all that other stuff. And that's why, you know, you can write kind of the main instrumental hook and it still makes sense to call that person like a co-writer of the song because they did contribute something really yeah. important. So maybe when yeah. we're like dividing up all the work, composition is like the word. And then that does include all that other stuff that is half yeah. production and not quite songwriting. But I don't know. It's it's fun for you to think about. Yeah, definitely. And I think artistically, like there's like so, there's so many ways to define things and so many ways to approach it. And yeah. When you were getting ready to release this album maybe before the blur period maybe before those (laughs) hectic two months how were you imagining success in your mind what would be success to you how would you have defined it in the lead up to it yeah I, I guess like I I don't really know I didn't know like what would come from it if anything would come from it um I think the hope for any artist releasing something is that you know people kind of latch on and like are into it um so there's definitely those thoughts there I think for me the overall main thing pre all of this was I just wanted to like the record and I just wanted to be proud of it and I think there's like a a a turning point where like you've written the songs you go and you record the songs and then you finish the album and then that whole phase is kind of over now and so I feel like I just wanted to feel like I was at a point where it's like, okay, I, I did what I want to do and I'm proud of this. And now my part's over and now I can just like give it to the world. And like, yeah, like I would love to have a little bit of like commercial success or like media, like, like you, you want people to like it and listen to it, obviously. For my own personal level of success, I just wanted to be happy with the record and proud of it. Then there's a performance side of it too, right? Because that's mission mm-hmm. accomplished, it sounds like. It does sound like you're really happy yeah. with it. And so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your performance moves from here look like? More solo performances, focusing on the band first. Mm-hmm. What would you prefer to do when it comes to playing this stuff live? I would I would prefer to play with a band. Like I would love that to put something together. Um, but right now it's just focusing on solo stuff for now. I was able to play, um, a, a online virtual music festival in Markham. Um, so that was the first time I ever performed them. Yeah. And I get to play at a brewery, um, in a couple of weeks. I'm actually playing back in Ontario. Yeah. I'm going to go back and see my family and I'm playing at Second Wedge in Uxbridge. Oh, nice. So you're heading on a plane soon. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow actually. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. There you go, because I was going to mention like, oh, we're recording on June 30th and your song mm-hmm. is called June. And it's like we got it in mm-hmm. before we got to July. Uh, but no, yeah, this is real. We also there. got it in before you're flying out. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's really timely. That's cool. Have you performed much in Vancouver yet? No, I I moved here two and a half years ago. I haven't performed at all in BC. I'm moved here two and a half years ago and uh, that was a point in my life where I was like I just want to take a break um so I didn't I didn't really play my guitar I didn't touch anything musically for like almost a year 
And then um, maybe like four months before COVID happened, I started playing again and I was like, oh yeah. And like, I wanted to start, right. I was starting to write again and playing more. And then I was like thinking about recording, but then um, I, I, yeah, I remember having this thought of like, oh yeah, I'm just going to like start playing a bunch of open mics in BC and like get connected. And then like three weeks later, COVID happened. <laughs> so then, yeah. So I haven't had a chance. My former band and I were getting ready to book uh August 2020 three week tour from Ottawa to Montreal uh, to Toronto to London. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. We reached out to the people whom we had already started making arrangements with and we canceled them in maybe late February. Last time we performed okay. was end of February. We played at Festival de Voyageur in Manitoba. Yeah. And that was the last time I've been on a plane. And okay. then when we got home from that, we canceled everything that we were working on. For the summer yeah oh my gosh yeah, yeah I, I feel lucky because i feel like a lot of bands and artists have had to do that had to just like cancel everything especially bands who are like just about to go on their first tour or like release their first record like that would be so heartbreaking um i feel a bit lucky because i was i was kind of going into like a creative process um a creative part in music and so i think that worked out well for me I could just create and then record in the studio. The situation where you haven't performed yet in Vancouver is also really interesting because maybe you have the choice to launch with the band and not worry so much mm. about getting your solo stuff going if you know that your intention is to have a band. Yeah, that could be cool. I'd be down with that. It's just a matter of meeting people because I haven't gotten yeah. connected at all. So it's like I... Yeah, I got to find those people. So, heck, if there's anyone listening in Vancouver, <laughs> look me up. <laughs> there definitely are. But it's cool <laughs> to have those priorities super tight because you know that your main interest is going to be to meet those kind of people. And you mm -hmm. can do even more things than just performing your solo music to try and find them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the most ideal situation would be perform the solo stuff and then like start working on the next stuff. You haven't performed in Vancouver so much yet, but what have you seen? No, like not really. Oh, that's I, uh, also interesting. I, because uh, I, I lived in Abbotsford for a couple years, like eight years ago or something. And so I, I'd been to the Commodore Ballroom to see Ben Howard. And I've been to, I've been to the Vogue Theater. And then just like, there's been like a couple small, like music stuff around Squamish as well. But yeah, that's about it. What are the Squamish local venues? There was a place called the Naughty Borough, but it closed during COVID. Um, I saw a couple bands there two winters ago. Um, there's also a place called Norman Rudy's that has live music. Um, and the, yeah, there's like a few pubs and bars and um, cafes around town that do live music. There was also like Lions Bay house concerts, or is that just outside of your range of sight? Mm, I, I haven't heard of that place. No. Oh, I'll have to check up on that after the pod to see where they're at. But like, yeah, there was a someone does it house. At their house? Uh, yeah, several different people were in this network of hosting house concerts in that area. Uh, yeah, man, I love house shows. I, I did a few back in Ontario, but. What yeah. makes a great house show? I think it's just so intimate. Um, you're like right there, like sitting with everybody and usually it's like 
a community of people rather than just like a bunch of random people. Um, it's like the community and like friends of friends of the people whose house it is. And so it's just such like a intimate, comfortable, like friend vibe, which is really nice. Yeah, I've done a couple. Two of my bandmates have done quite a few, actually. They've done a thing called Home Roots, which is a nonprofit based in Winnipeg that runs house concert networks around Canada. So they will book you mm. for two weeks. You have to be solo or a duo for it to make sense. But mm -hmm. they will schedule you with their network of volunteer house concert hosts. And for instance, my... Uh, two former band members, violin and vocals and guitar, they both did this. First time they did it was in rural Manitoba, going around for two weeks mm. in the winter. Second oh, time they did it was also in the winter, but it was in the northwestern uh, area. So it was Yukon, northern BC, all the uh, way as far cool. as Taktoyaktuk. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, did you say northern Manitoba or just Manitoba? They must rural. have gone. That's what you said. Rural Manitoba. All around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know exactly how far north they got. It would have been pretty, pretty cold because they did it in February. Yeah. That that's such an awesome way to get music out there and concerts for people too who like definitely who, um, who don't live close to a city who have to travel like two hours if they want to go to a show or like four hours. Um, yeah. I think that's what I like about house shows too. It's like it it like brings together the local community. And people don't have to travel far. It seems to be the kind of thing that would help us get back on our feet as a music community at large here mm -hmm. in the Lower Mainland now. Yeah, I think so too. And um, I think a lot of like small independent artists are kind of like at this point of like, okay, like what do I do now? Like, yeah, how do you kickstart the music scene again, especially on like a small local level? Obviously, you don't have to solve the entire problem yourself, but what are your thoughts <laughs> on how to do that? To get the music scene kickstarted again? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I think like small local um, venues is a way to go. Because um, I've noticed online, like bigger bands, it, it looks like they've started to announce like fall and winter tours. And I yeah, that's definitely accessible for them. They have the resources. But I, yeah, I think... A, what I've noticed, like I'm in the process of right now of wanting, of trying to book shows. I've been reaching out to a lot of places and like, it seems like everyone um, on a small scale is like scraping at all the venues, like trying to find something. And so I think just, yeah, having more small venues opening or yeah, house shows is a great way to go. Um, or just like backyard driveway shows just to get more small venues and more opportunities for small artists. Yeah, all this outreach for venues today, you're doing this on your own? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing everything on my own right now. <laughs> How are you feeling about that? Uh, I feel like a little overwhelmed by it. It's, it's like a big process because I'm like having to research everywhere and then email a bunch of people and... Um, yeah, the places that are booking again, it sounds like there's been like lots of people also booking. So a lot of places are full as well. But yeah, I'm I'm getting a few a few places here and there. What are your least favorite tasks or things to do that it would be the first things that you would get somebody else to do for you oh, if you could? 
like anything on a computer. <laughs> All that like little like administrative stuff. I really don't like it. I just <laughs> my roommate commented the other day. I was like working on some stuff and she's like, "Oh, it's funny seeing you on a computer because I it's just yeah. I'm not I'm not really into like lots of screen time, so what are your favorite things to do when you have like a four day long weekend away from all screens? Ooh, um, like getting out into nature, like getting out into the mountains, camping. Um, I'm really into skateboarding <laughs> um, and rock climbing and taking the canoe out. Um, yeah, like activity based things. That's mm-hmm. funny you mentioned skateboarding because it did come up in your lyrics. I did notice that. Yeah, I went for a walk down by the skate park. <laughs> I can't remember if it was only the one time, but hey, even if it was, I remembered it. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think it's the one time. Mm-hmm. Well, look at that. It stands out. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I got only a couple more things to okay. ask about. One of them is, uh, I believe in March 2017, you participated in a Guinness World Record. Tell us about that. Yeah, that was an epidemic music group thing. Um, Which is Kevin Kerr, right? Yeah, Kevin Kerr. He thought of this idea. And I think he felt like super overwhelmed by the idea. But then he just... Yeah, I forget what the process is like for him. But he just decided to go for it. Um, And that was done in Stouffville, Ontario at the Earl. It's a pub in town. So what was the record? Oh, I don't know if I can remember. I think it was like 18 days, something like that. It was a, okay. few, it was a couple of weeks, maybe two and a half weeks. Um, yeah. And the community just like really rallied. And I think like Ontario bands, I don't know the farthest that someone traveled, but people were like bands from like outside of the area were definitely like getting involved. Um, and the community like really rallied and there was like, um, like people did night shifts because there has to be a certain amount of people watching the concert, like in person. Um, and so like people are like signing up for night shift and coming in at like three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday kind of thing to like be a, an audience member. And uh, yeah, <laughs> he pulled it off. Longest, longest concert by multiple artists. And it was 18 mm-hmm. days or so. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And there had to be like, there's like, rules you had to follow like I, I don't think there could be there can be more than five minutes between bands I think I might be rusty on the numbers and uh you couldn't wait longer than like 15 seconds between songs so it was like lots of planning and organizing that's hilarious because zero percent of music festivals comply with that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah even the best run ones you got that 15 minute turn over time yeah yeah um okay after we wrap up here the first thing i'm gonna have to do is mow my lawn so i have to ask mm. on your 2017 self-titled ep and cover photo who is oh. mowing the lawn <laughs> that's my friend johnny weidman and his partner took that picture they're my they were my roommates for a while and yeah to go back earlier in our conversation i really like kooky things and i think it's like an instagram picture of my friend like his partner and I don't know. I, I think I just saw it. I don't know exactly where it was that I saw it. Maybe on her Instagram or she had like printed some photos off and they were hanging in the house. <laughs> I was just like, this is silly. I like it. And like, he's like one of my best friends. And so it just, 
was kind of like this goofy, quirky little idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoy all the fun that you're having in all the music I've heard from you. And I'm really excited to see what you do next. So thanks for taking the time awesome. to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, subscribe to get more from wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us a five-star review if you can, and tell your friends to find the Rhythm Changes podcast in their app of choice. And if you really like this kind of thing, go to rhythmchanges.ca to learn more about what we do, or visit patreon.com slash rhythmchanges to support us directly. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the Rhythm Changes podcast. Rhythm Changes is a Chernoff Music production.